sped across the room to a model who was being sewn into a see-through lace dress. They hadn't had time to put the zipper in before the show, and Jenny knew the dress would be a showstopper. You could see the model's naked breasts and most of her body, except what was concealed by a flesh-colored G-string, which kept the model relatively decent. David had been nervous about it, and Jenny had assured him that it was 1975 and the country was ready to see breasts, at least on the runway, if nowhere else. Vogue magazine had been showing breasts for a dozen years since Diana Vreeland introduced them when she was editor-in-chief in 1963. Diana Vreeland was Jenny's role model and goddess, Having realized that she didn't want to work on 7th Avenue and be a designer to earn a living, Jenny had started out as an errand girl at Vogue when she graduated from Parsons 11 years before. She had eventually become the keeper of The Closet during Mrs. Vreeland's regime as editor-in-chief. The Closet was where all the fabulous clothes were kept, and for a young girl inebriated by fashion and in love with it since her earliest memories, it was sheer heaven— she got to see and touch all the beautiful things going in and out and how they were put together for every photo shoot. Jenny soon caught the attention of the illustrious Mrs. Vreeland and worshipped at her feet and became her senior assistant. Then Jenny decided to leave the magazine five years after she'd arrived. Everyone said she was crazy, she had the perfect job, but she wanted to start her own fashion consulting business to advise designers and style photo shoots on her own and remarkably, the only support she got for her project was from Mrs. Vreeland, who secretly told her she was doing the right thing. And much to Jenny's amazement, Diana Vreeland left Vogue at almost the same time. She had become a consultant to the Costume Institute at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and she was in the audience at the Pierre, waiting to see David Fieldston's show that day. Jenny had easily recognized the senior editor's genius when she worked for her every day and had learned much from her, although she had her own distinctive style. Like a good puppeteer so nobody would notice her as she worked the strings from backstage, she was wearing black from head to foot, as Mrs. Vreeland had. Jenny's long, shining dark hair swept her shoulders in a straight blunt cut, she wore very little makeup, and her huge blue eyes took in the entire scene. And seconds later, she could hear the ballroom go quiet and the music come on. The clothes they were showing were for the following fall season, seven months away, so store buyers could order them now, and no one in the ballroom cared that it was the beginning of February and snowing outside. Jenny continued to watch the models as they lined up and got ready to walk the runway. She was almost as tall as they were, minus the high heels. Go, Jenny signaled to each girl, making tiny corrections before they went out, as the first girls came back into the dressing room, and dressers stripped them and dressed them again. David Fieldston was watching from a slight distance and looked as anxious as he always did, but Jenny could tell from the applause in the ballroom that the show was going well. Jenny stood back with a smile as David rushed past her and kissed her cheek on his way to take a bow with the last model in a brilliant green velvet evening gown at the end of the show. The applause was deafening. Jenny had spun him into an icon in two short years and turned his career around. And the best part about it for Jenny was that she loved her job. Fashion had been her passion ever since she could remember, and now she got to create it every day. 
She could think of nothing better as she put little pouches of safety pins and double-sided tape into her bag, put on her coat, and literally ran out the door. Her new young designer, Pablo Charles, would be waiting for her breathlessly in an off-off-Broadway theater he had rented for his show. Jenny ran across the lobby of the Hotel Pierre, carrying her heavy bag as a tall, good-looking man ran behind her to catch up. He was even taller than she was and snatched her bag out of her hand as she turned to smile at him. It was her husband, Bill, who had come to see the show. What are you keeping here? Rocks to throw at the press? He teased her as he followed her through the door of the hotel onto the street. He was as fair as she was dark and very aristocratic looking, and he had been in love with her since the day they met. He had always said it had been fate, and she had finally come to believe him. There was a town car and driver waiting for her at the curb to get...